Hello everyone, and welcome to Food Navigator Asia's monthly podcast, the FNA Food and Beverage Trailblazers. This is a series where we speak to and get to know more about groundbreaking food and beverage firms in the Asia-Pacific region, as well as the people behind them and their stories. I am Pearly, the editor of Food Navigator Asia, and as always, I am your host for this series. Joining me today is Eugene Wang, founder and chairman of plant-based firm Sophie's Kitchen, and now co-founder and CEO of Singapore-based microalgae protein-focused firm Sophie's Bionutrients. Hello, Eugene. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Really, really uh, glad and honored uh, to be speaking uh, with you uh, in this pack podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's very nice to have you here indeed. And perhaps let's start things off by, you know, setting something straight about microalgae. I've heard the average consumer, you know, say so many different things, making various correlations between microalgae and seaweed, microalgae and bacteria, many, many of all these things. So maybe you could shed some light, you know, on for our listeners on precisely what sorts of microalgae Sophie's Kitchen and Sophie's Bionutrients actually works with. Uh, back in 2010, uh, we started in California. Uh, with this company called Sophie's Kitchen. So we're making uh, the seafood replacement originally for vegans and vegetarians and later on for the flexitarian, the mass market, mm -hmm. uh, during the last 10 years. That's my basically what I did uh, before coming here to Singapore. But then again, along the way, I keep getting this question from American consumers, especially, you know, those American Western market consumers, they're really mm -hmm. picky about nutrition. So mm -hmm. they asked me, so now you're selling these uh, plant-based seafood products are they having equivalent nutritional value like the real seafood? A lot of people eat seafood because they mm -hmm. think seafood is healthy. Mm -hmm. They think, you know, mm -hmm. that's a quote right there. <laughs> so that's why they compare our foods to the seafood. But we're using potato starch, we're using pea protein, we're using Japanese young konyaku to make it. Yeah. How can it have equivalent nutritional value? No way, you know? Yeah. So mm -hmm. that got me thinking. So that, that was the point I was thinking, hey, you know, fishes and shrimp, they all eat algae. We in the States, we say algae, <laughs> not like the rest of the world, say algae, mm -hmm. which is the right way to say it. But I'm still <laughs> used to the American English, so I will still say algae. Mm -hmm. But in any case, I was thinking, hey, yeah, right. You know, these uh, sea animals, they eat algae to get their nutrients. How cool would it be if I, you can use algae to make my food? That's where I started the research. Initially, yeah. I was looking into macro algae, mm -hmm. which is the seaweed and kelp mm -hmm. you were talking about. Now, there is a big problem with uh, macro algae is that, well, actually quite a few, uh, not, not just one. The first thing is that they don't have a lot of protein, just like most mm -hmm. of the plants, you know. Mm -hmm. And number two is that they are subject to a lot of pollutions. The, the ocean water today is very different from just 20, 30 years ago, I can mm -hmm. guarantee. Number three is that because the global warming, macroalgae has gone up multiple times in terms of pricing just during the last 10, 20 years. So that that, that directs me to another venue, which is microalgae, which yep. is the microbes in the, mm -hmm. the freshwater or seawater, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I found out, wow, this microalgae really is the answer. They grow really fast, like mm -hmm. the string, we use is specially selected from the first time you grow it to harvest it, it just need about three days. Mm -hmm. And if you use the right nutrient, it can possibly be grown in almost just two days, 24, mm -hmm. uh, 48 hours. You know, I don't think any of your foods can grow that fast. 
you know, I heard chicken. I heard chickens can be grown in two weeks, but I bet that that, that chicken must have a lot of a、uh, growth hormone. <laughs> yes. And number two is that our microalgae packed a lot of protein. It can have, when you harvest it, it can have 60% of protein. Compare that to soy. That soy is only about 30 something percent. And then beef is even less, 20 something percent. Recent fossil records just confirmed that microalgae is the mother of all the plants on this planet today.、Mm. This is the fossil、mm. record confirm, confirm, confirmation.、Mm. The nutritional value is way above a lot of the plant protein or plant foods.、Mm-hmm. It's even way above some of the animal protein,、mm-hmm. and that's how nutritionally viable. Of this microalgae protein. I know that you founded Sophie's Kitchen first in the U.S. and then now you're basing Sophie's Bionutrients in Singapore here. So, is there a particular difference or criteria in the Singapore market that attracted you to you know make this shift essentially? Great question. It's actually not the market.、Uh, mm. You know, Singapore market is too small.、Uh, and when you、mm-hmm. when you talk about alternative protein or plant-based protein, I have to be honest with you, Asian market is actually very slow to catch up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we Asians, especially East Asian, you know, talking about Koreans, Japanese, and Chinese, you know, we Asians don't really think this kind of plant meat is anything fancy. Why? Two、mm-hmm. thousand years ago, tofu appears in China's history already.、Mm-hmm. So the Chinese, the Koreans, the Japanese has been eating their plant meat for the whole life,、mm. you know. And so the Westerners come up with these、uh, fancy plant meat, and you you, you sell it. Three, four, or even ten times more than the real meat. <laughs> How can you、mm-hmm. convince these Asians?、Mm-hmm. So that's why the reason I came here was not really because of the market,、mm-hmm. but the reason I came here is really because Singapore has a crisis. So where there is a crisis, there is an opportunity. Singapore government understand that Singapore, a tiny state. A、uh, tiny city state cannot forever rely on import foods.、Mm-hmm. Singapore has to come up with some technology, some solutions to produce its own foods.、Mm-hmm. That's why the Congress has this 30 by 30 mandate. Yeah. Here in Singapore, we totally focus on the food tech,、uh, B2B sales, and、mm-hmm. and I think the reason we can be successful so far here in Singapore is really what I just told you. The the government support, and the the government the the vision of the、mm-hmm. government is really sharp and spot on. So yeah, we all know we're both you know Sophie's Kitchen and Sophie's Bionutrients are named after your daughter as you mentioned. So、um, but it's because of your seafood allergy you mentioned previously as well. So does it at all mean that you know both of the Sophies will be focusing only on seafood moving forward? Here in Singapore, Sophie's Bionutrients. What we found out initially, yes, I was I was trying to develop this protein for my plant-based seafood business in California, but then again later on I found out, wow, this thing is a lot, lot more capable than what I initially thought.、Mm-hmm. We now have a protein flour. This is very light in color, which is very different from the conventional microalgae protein flour because using sun,、uh, sunshine using a raceway pump. They do a lot of photosynthesis, so the color is very dark, too、mm-hmm. dark. That's not good for food manufacturers.、Mm-hmm. You don't want your tofu to be dark. 
you know uh, you may want your your burger to be dark but not green so this is the beauty of our technology using fermentation the color was toned down because there's no mm -hmm. photosynthesis so mm -hmm. this is our first protein flour that we're going to manufacture here in singapore a water soluble oh. pro protein that you can make it into plant milk or any kind of energy uh, protein based drink our second product is something like a lot of uh, crumbles yeah mm -hmm. uh, we call it textured vegetable protein tvp mm -hmm. it is the foundation or the building block of mm -hmm. all the plant meat and plant-based seafood out there and so this is what we're working on next is that we want to make a protein flour that we can put it into the extruder machine and make it into a plant meat so as you can see microalgae protein flour is capable of more than just making it into a seafood replacement you can make it into a beef patty into mm -hmm. a milk into a tofu into a lot of things you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course, Eugene, you were a panelist mm. at the recent plant-based innovation edition of our Growth Asia series. So yeah, there are a few points that you made during the session I found really fascinating. What you mentioned about, you know, some daily foods that we're commonly in touch with, like fish balls, largely being plant-based already. So, <laughs> so what does this mean for the future of plant-based here in Asia? Yeah, this is something I, I really love to talk about because I'm, you know, talking about Asia, um, especially in the East Asian cultures, meat is meat and seafood actually is very medicinal very sacred very wholesome uh so for asian east asians you just can't dress up a kitty and call it tiger no way you know that's not gonna happen so <laughs> you said that okay this is impossible burger uh, or impossible pork it's so delicious it's so like a real pork you know what nine out of ten asians especially east asian they will still say i want to choose the real pork the grocery stores in Korea and Japan, interestingly enough, you don't see a section called plant meat or vegetarian food. No, there's no such section. But that's not saying the Koreans and the Japanese are not eating plant-based protein. Their tofu section is actually pretty amazing. Mm, true. Mm -hmm. And this this observation, I don't know about China today, but at least about two three years ago, is also the same. Can you say Korean and Japanese uh, economy is a developing economy? No way, right? Today they're a developed world already. Mm -hmm. So so is Chinese. Chinese are the the Ch Chinese in China. They're they're so wealthy. They're developing. They're not no longer developing country in my personal mm -hmm. opinion. They are developed economy. Mm -hmm. So that's why I can tell you that plant meat will not work here in Asia. But people here do have a protein crisis. And how do we solve the protein crisis? It's already happening. Uh, back in 2017, when I first came here in Singapore, I want to sell my plant-based seafood technology to the fishbowl guys. Mm. So ESG hooked me up with a lot of fishbowl factories here in Singapore. Mm. I found out all of the fishbowl guys, they already have their plant-based technology. Just about 30, 40 years ago, all the fishbowls ate by Singaporeans are made on the spot, just behind the hawker stall. So the 30, 40 years ago fishbowl is possibly 70, 80% fish mm. and just 10, 20% starch to glue it mm -hmm. together. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Today, uh, this is true, you know, they use more and more of those starch. Mm -hmm. And it's a good starch, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. So good that you can't tell the difference between <laughs> the fishbowls you're eating today. That's why mm -hmm. the wild caught fish is still smelly, right? Mm. So. You just need a, a, a 20, 30% of fish 
and you end up very similar flavor mm -hmm. that you got for 30, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And you know, we Asians, especially we Chinese, we hate our daily life to become uh, 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 not regular, to become mm -hmm. uh, 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 unexpected. So mm -hmm. that's what the food, uh, fishbowl makers is doing is also are doing is also that they try to make the price steady. Mm. Almost no change in the last 10, 20 or 30 years. Almost mm -hmm. no change. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason why they can do that when the wild caught fish is so expensive, exactly what I told you. Mm -hmm. And so this is also by consumer demand is that the consumers want no change in price, no change in flavor, mm -hmm. no change in texture. Mm -hmm. Anything, everything else you did, I don't care. This does not just happen in fish balls. This happens in a lot of the other processed meat. The, the low-end canned tuna has soy protein in it. And so that's why I think this kind of hybrid product mm -hmm. is the future of Asian's version of plant meat or mm -hmm. alternative protein. Um, I saw one of your ambitions, you know, is to use your tech to create food for space exploration. And I'm saying <laughs> that Singapore has the potential to set up a space food program. When I was developing this technology, I actually really have this in mind is that because I know microbes, especially microalgae, grows in water. Where there is water, you can find microalgae. There, they, they prove that there's water on Mars. They even prove that there's water on the moon as well. So if you found water on Mars, you can find microalgae. This is why I want to talk to Elon Musk <laughs> is that, you know, so you now have this beautiful rocket. You can fly over there to Mars in seven months. Okay, so you may pack enough food for that journey, mm -hmm. but then you don't have enough food for your astronauts to survive on that planet. Mm -hmm. So that's why the movie, Hollywood made this movie, Martian, where Matt Damon yeah, yeah, made yeah. this crazy potato tent <laughs> on Mars. <laughs> hey, Elon Musk, you listen to me. You, know, you don't have to do that Matt Damon crazy potato tent thing. You can use our microalgae technology you can grow microalgae on Mars out in the open. Mm -hmm. And that will be the nutritious, very nutritious food for your astronauts on that planet. It will also be applied in that tiny spacecraft. And sorry to say, using astronauts poop to create <laughs> a circular economy. <laughs> it doesn't sound very, but, but you know, this is actually one of the theory to create a circular economy. This is how I want to prepare Singapore for the future space exploration is that we Singapore may be too late to build a rocket to compete with Elon Musk, to compete with SpaceX. We Singapore may be too late to build a satellite, but we Singapore will not be too late to build up a wonderful, sustainable, and viable food programs for all these uh, space projects. So now I'm going to shift focus one more time and I'd like to sort sure. of like, you know, dive a little bit more into your journey to getting where you are in, you know, setting up your plant-based company so far, you know, what have been some of the sort of toughest challenge that you would say you have encountered? I, I wouldn't say it's racism, but in the States, you know, um, an Asian American, um, want to get funding it's it's really tough especially in food and agriculture technology it's not easy you really have to be caucasian you really have to be male mm. to be likable mm. you know 
And if you're female or if you're minority, all of a sudden the questions will become very, very different. Just because the fact that my idea, my observation is so different, not even my family understand me. Oh no. <laughs> and so you know, even even my parents, they they don't support me. Uh, my sister, they don't support me. Because you look too far ahead, it's hard for people to understand what you're talking about.、Mm -hmm. I think I find the,、uh, the 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 echo here in Singapore, especially with the, a lot of the government agency, they、mm -hmm. sort of understand what I'm talking about.、Mm -hmm. And、um, English-speaking Chinese here in Singapore is no longer minority;、mm -hmm. we're the majority. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And all of a sudden, people want to listen to you. Is there anything that you know you wish you had known when you started out in the beginning? Anything that you might have changed, you know, if you had known these things? If I have another chance, you know, I, I would, I really have to tell you, I, I possibly won't do this again. Oh. It was just so、mm -hmm. painful. Yeah, the、mm -hmm. journey. If if you had the chance to do it again, would you start here in Singapore? Do you think? The answer is actually no.、Mm. I would still start in the states. If I just started out from here. Without that past ten years of experiences,、mm -hmm. I'm really no nobody here. You look at a lot of the local entrepreneurs. That that's the kind of uphill battle、mm -hmm. they're facing. How would you advise, in a sense, like any entrepreneurs who wanted to set out in this sort of space? I mean, I know your your own journey was particularly painful in a sense, but you know, for new entrepreneurs who are looking to do this kind of thing, how 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 would you advise them? How would you guide them if they came to you? If they're if they're developing technology like what I'm doing with Sophie's Biotechnology, then I would say staying here in Singapore is a great idea. If you're B two B model and you're in food and agriculture technology, you should be based right here in Singapore.、Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to sell a consumer item,、mm -hmm. especially something new like plant based, it's not easy, you know,、mm -hmm. and.、Um, Not not saying that there's absolutely no opportunity, but then you have to really dig into it to find an opportunity.、Uh, so you know, if you want to do a B two C business, in my personal opinion, Western market is still by far the best, meaning U S and Europe. What is next for yourself and for Sophie's Bionutrients now? So where do you see yourself and the company in the next twelve months and the next five years down the line? So the next twelve months,、uh, you know, because of the pandemic, you know. There's still a lot of things that that that, that is really uncertain, but we definitely hope that、uh, we're gonna finish up our facility、uh, here in Singapore、uh, within the next twelve months. And also, you know, we're hoping that we can、um, have our protein flour to be used、uh, by one or two food manufacturers uh, uh, in the world.、Uh, talking about five years, you know, I'm hoping that the cost of our protein can drop. Down to like around five U.S. dollars per kilo, which is、uh, equivalent to the pea protein today. I'm hoping that I will have an opportunity to set up a really big、uh, fermentation tank,、uh, like a hundred thousand liter or even two hundred thousand liter, uh, uh, somewhere in、uh, possibly not in Singapore because Singapore real estate is really expensive, but、uh, possibly somewhere in、uh, maybe、uh, hopefully Malaysia or、uh, even Europe or U.S. You know. And、mm -hmm. so going forward, within hopefully ten years or even less, you know, we、mm -hmm. can possibly even go on Nasdaq to list our company and、mm -hmm. become a another Beyond Meat success. <laughs> cool. So、uh, cool. you know, we have a lot of dreams for sure. Thank you so much for joining me today, Eugene. Had a really good time speaking with you, and thank you everyone for listening to this podcast as well. And I wish everyone a great day ahead for Food Navigator Asia. This is Pearly signing out.